In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's January 29th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 113 of Knit Winning Geek 2. I'm Karen. I'm Maggie. And today, we are coming to you from... A dumpster fire? Yeah. Tire. Giant tire fire. Tire fire uh, in the middle of the Hunger Games, and holy crap. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't even know where we're coming from anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's been a really rough... What's it only been? Ten days? Yeah, not quite. Ten days. Ten days tomorrow. Okay. Um, shall we do a disclaimer now? Yeah, I, th- I think we need to go like straight. Let's start this off with a disclaimer now. Yeah. So what we're going to do is I'm going to put the same sort of thing that we do for spoilers, but I'm going to do that in the show notes for political talk. Because usually we try not to get too overtly political. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure listeners can tell. Our political leanings. Yeah. But we generally don't discuss politics directly. We can't not do that now. Yeah. Um, So, either for those people who know they are going to disagree with us, or for those people who I completely understand just can't take it anymore. Like... You know, self-care is a good thing. If you are like, I can't deal with this. You are at bullshit capacity. At the moment, that is totally fine. I will put in the show notes when it is safe to come back. I mean, some of the, well, okay, some of the other stuff we're talking about tonight will have somewhat political tones, but it's not going to be directly political. Yeah. Um, again, and if the, in that case, if you're not sure, just scroll through the show notes and just see what else we're talking about. And if you don't want to, if you want to, you know, maybe skip some of that later, that's, again, that's fine. We are totally fine. Yeah. Okay. However, so also mention, you know, if if you do listen to this segment and you really disagree with us on some stuff, that's your prerogative. That, that's but your choice. But you cannot yep. listen. Yep. So yeah, so, we're going. Yep. Um, yeah. So if you, if you if you're done with politics, if you really don't want to hear it, move along. Skip ahead now to the timestamp I will put in the show notes. Because here we go. Everybody take one big deep breath and let it out because I'm sure everybody needs it. Yeah. Yeah. And like we were saying, we actually went out to dinner with Michelle just before this. And as we were saying at dinner, like we usually don't talk politics, but like I said to Maggie, like I, I cannot be quiet about this. This is not just a case of political left and right. This is now right and wrong. Yeah. Type of stuff. Yeah. Because for the historical record, if you're listening to this some many years <laughs> down the road, Ooh. oh god! Okay. So, well, this entire week has been crazy. Yes. Um, with executive orders from the new Cheeto president, and Cheeto in chief. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, from the new president, Little Caesar. Um, don't tell me to make another joke. And. Like the capper of which, like this is the not the only terrible thing that's happened this week. 
Um, but the cap, the, the cap of which has at, been... At, at the time of recording. At the time of recording. Yeah, that's very important to mention, too. Because it's been a very fast-paced week. Yeah. Um, and only, God only knows what the second week's gonna entail. he has been signing executive orders like they've been autographs. Yeah. And the, to this point, like, I don't want to diminish anything else he's done earlier in the week. There is partly a thing of, like, I can't even remember everything that's happened in the last week, because, oh my god. Um, but the main one that is just like, nope, is the um, restriction of immigration from certain countries in the Middle East, which a lot of people are calling a Muslim ban for very good reason, because it's all Muslim countries that conveniently don't have polit- have business dealings. With the president, the commander in chief, and his his trade name. Yeah, yeah. Just as you can tell, we are five hundred percent opposed to this. Like, I can't even describe how how much this enrages me. Um, and we were talking with some of our American friends on. Yeah. On chat last night, like face chat, and it was, it's scary. Mm -hmm. This is not just happening in history books to somebody from another generation now. This is real, and this is scary. Yeah, and many of the people that are coming from these countries are ones who are very much in fear of their lives and in, in a very real danger and have been, have gone through an extensive process to be able to come to the U.S. and to get out of, both to get out of the countries where they can no longer stay, as well as to get out of refugee camps, which are are not good places to be no, staying. No, they are, they are very slow way to die. Yeah, especially in winter, um, where people are basically living in tents with yes. very little clothing and stuff like that. And very little else. Yeah. And there is, I think at this point, there is ample evidence that some of the reasons for this ban are something are, are somewhat disingenuous shall i say <laughs> considering a lot of it is, a lot of it is being talked about in like terms of like safety and security and uh, there have been a number of news sources now that i've seen that have said the number of people who have perpetrated acts of terrorism or planned them from the countries that were outlined is zero. Zero. yeah Unlike some of the other countries, which are not on the list. So, at this point, it goes from like, okay, what do we do to stand up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because this is also, this is also part of the political, uh, the political part of our episode tonight. Yeah. Um, we are going to mention some positives as well, because like, the women's march that happened the day after the yes. inauguration, there was not so happy. There was not one arrest. Yeah, and it was. Admittedly, I have seen you know part of the reason for that, and part of the re- you know I've seen lots of very apt you know commentary from especially from women of color that is like, well, the women's march was also predominantly white, and the okay. treatment yeah. of the protesters by the police. Was very different. Was very different yes. than at even other peaceful marches, which have been mostly people of color. So there is that. Though it's good to see that you know, still nobody there. That thankfully they were spared the 
the people who come in who take you who use that opportunity the opportunity of those um, kind of events to you know do damage and do destruction because there are people that do that not again not the people who just want to like cause destruction and stuff not people who are venting their rage even but people are just like oh hey there's a march this is a good time to you know break some windows and steal some stuff right um so yes, we do acknowledge that within that successful march, yeah, there were circumstances that, you know, things could be better yeah. even within. But yeah. it was still a really good day that not just America but the world. Yeah. The world had marches. Yeah. In protest. You gotta be a special kind of not likable when the entire world protests <laughs> you yeah. in your first 24 hours. Yeah, you're, you're not doing something right when the entire world is protesting you. And um, as I'm sure everybody has seen by now, knitting played a big role in that yes. march. And I am wearing mine. Yep, you're wearing your pussy hat. Yes, I am. And this is from my own handspun. Awesome. My son also stole it, and I ain't even mad. <laughs> he, he was homesick. Uh, with a cold the day that I finished it. And um, I went and just showed it to him, and he basically took it from me and put it on his head, although admittedly, he likes to wear it like this. <laughs> with the ears sort of like... Sideways. Front, yeah, front and back. Yeah, kind of like spikes. But um, I wasn't going to tell him, like, the official name of it. <laughs> but um, we call it the hat that you wear when you want to tell Donald Trump that he's not doing a good job. Yeah. Now, all of that is what the hat is called. Yeah. And that has been the the brighter part of this week, is seeing the outcry and the, the visual of, like, the protests and stuff like that. And things like, well, like we mentioned, we got it later in our notes, but we may as well mention it here. Um, there was one of the actions this week was to try and force the EPA and other government science departments to not speak to media anymore, especially on stuff about climate change. Rogue government federal sites. Yeah, which, yeah, which caused rogue government, like, uh, <laughs> national parks. Badass. <laughs> Badass rogue people. Rogue EPA, rogue NASA, yes. rogue a whole bunch of other places. I saw a meme uh, just today, and I think I, I retweeted it, that said um, it was a picture of... Strider sitting in in the movie Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. where it's him smoking his pipe and you can't see his eyes. Yeah, and the the meme says, "I could have told you that Rangers were badass," <laughs> or something to that effect. So yeah, um, and thankfully, for at least from what I've heard, that has been I think the government has dropped that on all of now. them. I think for for I don't know for all of them, but at least for some of them because of the outcome. Yes. Uh, which is especially good because, I mean, I should mention, like, yeah, this is something the previous Canadian government did. Um, basically muzzled the scientists, would not let them speak to the press about their findings, especially when it comes to climate change. Climate change, they also destroyed a number of scientific libraries where vast amounts of data were just dumped. And it's not good. And the the... The effects on of that on Canadian scientific research have been huge and will continue to be huge for quite a long time, um, because certain you know studies and stuff like that have not been done that should have been done and, and the data has been lost. So like we are living in a day and age where scientists outside of the lab are going, we need to stash the data 
before yeah. the government finds it and destroys it. Yeah, which is scary. Yeah, that is scary. That is that is some serious like Star Wars stuff. Yeah. That is re- that is the rebellion, the resistance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of the lovely things about the march too was so many people carrying the signs, um, signs especially with Princess Leia on it that says women's places in the resistance. But yeah, so if you were wondering what to do about these events and about other events, um, especially like if you if you are comfortable going to a protest, if you are physically capable of going to a protest, not everybody is, and not everybody is comfortable with it, either for reasons of like really not being good around crowds or there are some you know, people without allergies, yeah, allergies, that sort of thing. Um, and we're not just talking like pollen and dust mites. We are talking severe allergies to, you know, certain perfumes. And with that many bodies, yeah, you, you can have anaphylactic shocks. Yeah, for certain people. So the main thing, a big main thing, is to contact your representatives. Yeah, if you if you're in the United States, there's actually a website um, USA.gov. They have a page um, how to contact your elected officials which is at www.usa.gov slash elected-officials. So you can see, there you can see um, contact information for uh, members of U.S. Congress, both senators and representatives. That There's links to where you can find your, your senators and your representatives on the federal level. There is links to find your state governors and state legislatures as well, even down to the local level for your mayors, county executives, that sort of thing, so that you can contact them. Um, I have seen a number of people saying that the best way to do it is by phone um, because they tend to take more notice of that because someone actually has to answer the phone or take messages. Um, I have seen certain uh, reports lately about certain places, including the White House, not taking phone calls anymore. Yep. Um, but so you can see if there's a, a phone number there and if you can contact your representatives that way, because I think with some of the stuff in the last few weeks that has been has been proposed or has been started to be enacted and then was sort of quietly pulled back, um, it has been because of people calling. Applying people, the pressure. Yeah, and basically just overwhelming the phone lines. Right. It works. If, it yeah. really does work. And if you don't get through at first, just keep, keep trying. trying. Um, for Canadians... I saw one of the someone mentioning one important thing that Canadians can do. Um, the, at this point, at this point, the Canadian government has um, offered to take in those people who have visas, or um, in some cases, it looks like it's affecting even people who have green cards for the U.S. But who are otherwise have the travel documents to go to the U.S. as well as taking in some of the refugees that that had been approved to go to the U.S. and now suddenly their plans have been canceled or put on hold. Um, but one important thing that Canadians can do is uh, currently there's an, a, an agreement called the Canada-US Safe Third Country Agreement, which came into effect in 2004. And it states that refugee claimants are required to request refugee protect in, protection in the first safe country they've arrived in. This is for people who, I'm not sure this, this counts as much towards the countries that Eh, it might actually, um, towards the countries that are on the list in the executive order that was signed the other day. It's for people when they arrive who are saying, I would like to apply for refugee status. Mm-hmm. Because 
the United States is considered a safe country under this law. If people come to the U.S. Uh, and arrive there and are turned away because of their because of their country of origin, um, they can't then seek refugee stata- status in Canada because as Canada sees it, it's like, well, the U.S. is a safe country. If you were eligible for refugee status, you should have been able to get it there. Um, Or to prevent people from trying to get refugee status in one country being turned down for reasons and then trying again in another country. Um, Obviously, with this new legislation, that is... Different. Different. That is a different circumstance now. So what they... uh, the suggestion I'm seeing here, this is on, um, I think this is even Kate Beaton's blog. <laughs> this is on a, a blog uh, by called The Great Islander, written by Ned Zimmerman. You can find it at great this particular post at greatislander.ca slash something dash to dash do. At the bottom, he has linked link to the page where you can find your local member of parliament. He says to call the office of your local... A member of Parliament, call the office of the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, uh, the Honorable Ahmed D. Hussein, who, as at the moment, actually is a dual Somali Canadian citizen, and as of a couple of days ago, it's doubtful whether he'd be able to travel to the U.S. Mm-hmm. because of his dual dual citizenship, because Somalia is one of the list, one of the countries on the list. Um, and there's the phone number there. You can also write the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and has the address. There is also an online petition to sign. You can find links to that there. And one of the important things, too, if you do um, contact your local representative and the Prime Minister and the, the Immigration Minister, um, the link that he has to find your Member of Parliament using your postal code, there is a related link on that page called Styles of Address federal dignitaries and it gives a list of how to address federal dignitaries in writing including um, like how to address stuff too it has the the address for uh, the prime minister and for and the the sort of suggested mode of address on the envelope if you're you know writing in an actual physical letter to your MP um how to open the letter like the proper form of address to open the letter how to close it and then you know like how to refer to them and to make a note and there's a note here if your mp is a member of is a cabinet minister there is a different form of address than there is if they are not so you can go there and find the right just like find the right way to address them so that you make sure you're addressing them with respect and with you know, the proper modes. Yeah, the proper mode that you're supposed to, which helps your your case, communication. Yeah. Um, and I've seen a number of people say, like, if you are calling their office, it can be really good, especially if you don't like using the phone, which I don't. <laughs> and if you get sort of, you know, tongue-tied when you're on the phone, um, write up a script beforehand. And you can say, you know, I am reading from a script because I would like to make sure that I express my thoughts clearly but yeah write up a script beforehand again make sure you remain respectful and calm and use the proper modes of address yes and you know and make it fairly short you know if you go on a huge long rant it's not gonna help so you know 
keep it short, be respectful. Um, but definitely, you know, contact your, your local represent your representatives. So that, cause there is things that, there are things that, you know, we can do even in Canada cause it feels like, what? yeah, it feels like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I have so, there's so many, so many of you listeners and so many friends of mine that lives in the state, that live in the States that I am concerned for and feeling for and want to do something. But I kind of have to wonder in like a hundred years from now, if somebody actually listens to this, <laughs> if it'll be used in history class. <laughs> well, I doubt we may be using our knitting podcast in a history class but you never know but you never know like hell like 10 5 years from now I mean one of the things about the internet is that on the internet things are forever yeah so there's a lot of material to scroll through of late yeah especially with the number of things that I have been (laughs) retweeting which has been basically like political stuff and then cats (laughs) because we all do have to cope yeah, And I, I did post this on my personal Facebook, and I will reiterate it now. When you come home at the end of the day, after seeing what is on social media, after seeing what is on the news, and after experiencing it possibly firsthand, do something re- that refreshes your soul and refreshes your spirit. And if that means playing hide-and-seek with your kids, do that. If that means baking cookies, do that. If that means painting, writing a song, writing a novel... Even if nobody else sees it, if it fills your spirit back up, do that. If it's Dungeons and Dragons, do that. And because we're heading into a time when we we are being told what we are allowed to do, and that is a very dark time. So as each day dawns and you are seeing what is coming towards you, know that you've been refreshed by your soul and your spirit has been refreshed by whatever it is that gives you solace at the end of the day. Yeah, and I've seen a number of tweets from people saying like if you have to like this is this is not necessarily a a one-time thing. This is a, a this is going to be it's going to require multiple waves of action. And sometimes they say like the first wave comes and then they fall back and the second wave comes to to replace them and fall back. It's basically you know, everyone needs a break as well as so self-care, we, if you need a break, you need a break. We just don't want you to give up. Yeah. Okay. I'll just say, also, there was something, again, it was something I found, and it's on somewhere in my Twitter feed, but I can't find it right now. I will keep looking for it. Uh, but basically, it was a, a newsletter you can sign up for, run by knitters, that includes, like, you know, ways knitters can help, or like, you know, or when there is a call to action for knitters. It will be. It can be disseminated there, so you can find out about stuff that's going on. I'd be interested in that. I had not heard of that. Yeah, I will find it and I will put it in the show notes. Okay. There we go. Just found it. Uh, Kim Worker is doing it. Yeah, newsletter about activism and craftivism, and that is a hell of a long. We will put the address in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. If you look at Kim Worker's um, Twitter account too, that might work. Uh, she's K P Worker W E K P. W-E-R-K-E-R. Um, and she posted it on January 25th. But I'm sure she's been reposting and stuff. So, And we'll post the link there if you would like to get involved. Anything else we want to mention in this section? Um, at, the, at this point, I think we've said a lot that, yeah. you know, hugs out to everybody. Know that we're thinking of you. We're 
we're just, we're scared. Yeah. And I mean, and I should reiterate, you know, I should reiterate, you know, our, our words today are not, are not focused at one particular political party. It's just focused, it's mainly for people who disagree with what is happening. And that is not limited by what political party you belong to. So. Okay. So deep breath again. Yes. Um, shall we move into Adventures in Knitting? Yes. Okay. Okay. So welcome back, everybody. <laughs> we just can't deal with it right now. Like That's I said. fine. That's fine. That is fine. We'll move into Adventures in Knitting. Like I said, we've got a couple little things later, which are maybe a little political, but, you know. Not as, not as are the, overt. Are the, are not as overt, and they're hopefully some more happier stuff. Yep. So, Adventures in Knitting. Why don't you go first? Because you've actually been doing <laughs> stuff. Guys, we know that we haven't, like, trust, trust us, we know that we haven't recorded in a while. But yeah. you know what? Bronchitis happens. Yeah, in case, I don't know if you can still hear it. I'm still slightly, I can still hear it a little bit. In my voice, but if you can't hear it, um, I basically got sick on December 26th. Yay. And you haven't really gotten out of it. And I haven't really been better since then. Because I was getting a little better, like, a week or two afterwards. And then, all of a sudden, one night, when it was actually Thursday night, and I got home from work, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to knit night. Because I started feeling feverish again. And my fever went back up to, like, 101, 102. And that time, that weekend, Mom and I spent, you know, a couple hours at the walk-in clinic on Saturday, because Mom was sick, too, to find out what the hell is going on. And basically, the doctor, he listened, he checked me first, he listened to the two upper side, my two, the upper parts of both of my lungs. Then he took a listen to the my lower left lung, and he's like, you have bronchitis. Yay! Like, the instant he like, I don't barely, you love it when they're that certain that quickly, yeah. and I'm like, oh, it's I that barely, bad. I barely breathed in, and he's like, you have bronchitis. I'm like, okay, that would explain why I have been coughing so much, and even in the last couple weeks, even after I've been feeling a lot better, because the fever went away fairly quickly, um, especially after Mom and I just spent like four days on the couch downstairs. Um, but since then, the main reason we haven't recorded is because I have been coughing a lot. A lot. And like, it's like, well, we could record, but it would take me three times as long to edit it because I'd have to cut out coughing every two minutes. So let's hold off for a little while, shall we? Okay, now to give your voice a rest, I'll go through what I've done. First of all, um, I finished up Lily Pilly, and that got sent to one of my best friends from my high school days who lives in London, England. Actually, is it London that she... She's, she's a doctor, so she moves around a little bit, and I'm trying to remember. What the hell? All right, she lives in England, and she's actually complimented me on socks that I've sent her before, saying, wow, these are really good. I'm going to have to commission some more from you. Okay, guess what? You're knitworthy now. <laughs> and she just had a really big birthday go by, um, as in the 4-0 birthday. What I did, I knew she was going to be in the Bahamas for Christmas, so I sent the package with my brother back to the island for Christmas and she met up with my parents and my parents handed it over to her. So there's a lily pilly running around England somewhere that I made and she was very happy with it. Yeah. So that happened. Um, obviously we talked about the pussy hat and that was done out of hand spun. This is the hand spun that I got from Miss Katie from one of our fellow podcasters. Ooh. And um, she gave this to this 
roving to me uh, for Christmas last year, and I got around to spinning it up, I think, in the summer. Plied it with some straight pink. So it's a, it's got variations of purple and even some burnt orange running through it, but that's okay. It's so pretty. And my son stole it, and like I said, I ain't even mad. <laughs> yes, and I should mention to mention too, if you're looking, the official the the pussy hat main pussy hat one is the Pussy Hat Project by Cat Coil on the uh, on Ravelry. Now here comes my sad story. Yes, because your the last thing we talked about was me finishing off projects. Oh yes, and this is the Celtic Myth Shawl. Remember. And look at how much of it I have gotten done. Look at all of this. It is huge. And it's, and I am right up to there. Oh no. So That is so close. You've told me, but I hadn't actually yeah. seen it. To recap everybody, first the Celtic Myth Shawl is, has a lot of stockinette stitch border. And I was not paying attention because this was my TV knitting. And yeah. I knit more stitches. I misread the instructions or something. So instead of 229 stitches, I did 299 stitches or something yeah. like that. Because it's a it's a semicircular or like a, a crescent shawl, yeah. right? Yeah. And you increase, you start at the top of the neck and then you increase each side, each side yeah. to make the crescent shape. Yes. And then you do a border. On and it. then you do a border on and you're binding the border off as you go. Mm -hmm. So I literally have... Only what looks like maybe 40 stitches on the needles right now. And that... Yeah, you've got... That includes two, the body four, and six, the border. 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 23 stitches left to bind off at the border, which means another 46 rows. And I ran out of yarn. Yeah. Now, I went to Ravelry and found somebody. Because, here, this... Because this, this is being done in Lightweight DK by Rowan. This is a bunch that I basically got from Michelle. Yeah. The illustrious Michelle. And it is in shade 48. And I went on Ravelry and looked up um, because this is a discontinued yarn now. Yeah. Yay, I don't make things easy on myself. Nope. And I found somebody who had advertised 48. And it is actually yeah. 49. Oh, dear. Now I can't be mad because I may very it may very well have said forty nine or I misread forty nine and forty eight. It's also stamped via a rubber stamp. Yeah, and it looks so it like looks ambiguous. Yeah. Like looking at it from here, I could easily think that says forty eight. So I don't know whether or not this is close enough because it's not a case of being able to put like an ombre edge on the end. Yeah, this is a chunk. At one corner. Yeah, because the, the edging is done from one tip to the other tip. It's done sideways. So, one, this is a te this is a lesson in humility. <laughs> um, two, I'm asking for help. <laughs> so if anybody knows where I can get one skein of Rowan, Rowan Lightweight DK, they come in 25 gram skeins, and the color color is 48 and it is a light blue not 49 it's a light grayish blue see look that's ambiguous yeah that looks like 49 so goodness only knows see i'm pulling a bunch of these out now see that's a 49 too yeah so i wonder if i could use this or not 
it does, looking at the skein next to the actual project, is it does look like a different color. Or are these 40, 49s and it should be 48? Have I got this backwards? These that should, definitely is an 8. That's an 8. All right, so these should all be... All right, these are all 49s Nine. and one forty-eight. So these are all 49s. And, and that's I, all the ones that you've used. Yes. Basically, I am one shade off. Should I give it a try? Are you keeping this? I was planning on it. Okay. Well, if you're keeping it, if you're planning on keeping it, I'd say use that skein you got okay. and just be like, okay. fuck it. Hey, you, we, we may be heading into... I'm um, keeping it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we may be heading into that time where, you know, we bring back the uh, old adage of use it up, use it out, make yeah. it do or do without. Yeah, make do and mend. Yeah, so, all right, I will give it a try. I've been holding on to that for this. And if that color doesn't look the same, it's like, whatever. I'm what keeping else? it. I will just wrap it around my neck so that no one sees that it's corner. A, it's a story in the making. Okay. <laughs> I want to finish this because I have a story like that. Yes. So the next is the Jasmine Scarf. This one's by Pearl Soho. And this is also my hand spun. Ooh. That is long. It is. Well, it's not as long as you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boink. Right there. It's still decently long. Um, but this is a long... I haven't even... I haven't blocked this yet, so I'm hoping I can get maybe a little bit of extra stretch out of it. Yeah. But this is my hand spun way back in the day when I got some... When I was first learning how to spin and I got some stuff that reminded me of Radagast from mm -hmm. the uh, Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit movies. Yes. And this is what... This is that yarn. So I had three skeins and this is all that is left... Ta-da. Tiny little bit. Tiny little bit. So this, I didn't want to block right away because I pretty much cast this off the night before last night. Mm -hmm. But I've been working on this every knit night and most evenings because I'm, I'm in that push of wanting to get things done. So this will now go on. This will get soaked and blocked and we'll see what happens to it after that. So that's done. Next, because, you know... I did get this yarn while we were at Rhinebeck. Ooh. So this is Blackbird. Socks that rock. That's socks that rock. So these are, I'm I'm making a guess that the pronunciation is Chavonez. Oh, yeah, I didn't put the accent in there. These are Chavonez, basically they're gloves. And they're going to be for the husband. Ooh. Those are pretty. And I was kind of concerned about whether or not they would even fit him because of the way that ribbing will pull in. Mm -hmm. Because but it's cable. It's got a, it's, there's ribbing going up the hand, but there is a slight cable sort of chevron going across it. It's really pretty. But he did try it on last night because mm -hmm. I said, okay, I got to the end of the chart. I ain't going any farther until you try this on and tell me that it fits you because I don't want to knit the whole thing and find out it don't fit you. Yeah, it won't pass over your hand. Um, so yeah, he did try it on. It does fit, so I will keep going. So this will be my project on the go. I did, um, so that's what is on the go right now. I did get invited to, oh my God, a Harry Potter themed wedding. <laughs> yes. Oh, squee. And, like, the groom is making a wand for everybody as the wedding favor. He is making a Patronus for everybody in the bridal party. <laughs> Out of, you know, the uh, the Christmas light sort of animals that you have in your front yard at Christmas yes. time. And all kinds of other things. 
and oh my god, this is, is they're a very geeky couple, so I'm very happy that they're not just doing the plain white wedding. Yes. On a, a night after some sleep deprivation, I decided. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known. So I came up with the idea that as a wedding gift for the bride, I would make her the Rapunzel, the Rumpelstiltskin wrap. Mm-hmm. Which is out of the, uh, it's the Enchanted. Enchanted Nets 2014. By Moira Engel. Yes. And I should say the, the Chevronets were by uh, Veronique V. Barron. Isn't it pretty? It's super pretty. And it has a hood. And it's quite detailed. <laughs> now, it is DK, so that yeah, helps. That helps. Um, there's no real shaping other than the hood. So I don't have to knit, um, like, arms and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that is going to become a big project. Yeah. So I, I, I am in talks with somebody to actually get because i found out what they don't really have a wedding color because Mm -hmm. it's more like the whole theme Mm -hmm. so i asked what her favorite color would be yeah and i got you would be very happy (laughs) it's peacock basically (laughs) so i'm going to get some dk yarn dyed in a batch peacocked by Mm -hmm. a canadian supplier and once that is all done i will bring it and show it but yeah, that is going to be a on-the-go project. For and, something, and when is the wedding? End of September. So I still have time. It's only January. Yes, but you still want to start it soon. Yes, I do. Because as I have learned with the writing <laughs> it really does help if you start like six, seven months before. Yeah, I kind of need to have to space out all of the charts and say, okay, I have to have this much done by this time, yeah. this much done by this time, and so forth. And leave This to- chart is... March. Yes. This chart is April. This chart is May. And I did preface, you know, talking to them about this. I said, okay, I am coming up. Um, this conversation is coming out of sleep depth, so I may be way over my head doing this. But um, if I did this, would that be a good present? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I have. I did get um, a gift certificate for Loom stuff. Ooh. And I did order loom parts. Ooh. There are a couple of things that are on back order. So I am still awaiting that. So that will be a new adventure um, that I'm terrified of, but I will do. <laughs> is It's mainly like uh, I, I like into learning the loom, especially the full floor loom as to learning to drive a car because there's so many bits and pieces. Yeah. And my first attempt at, okay, I think I've done this right. I followed this right. I followed this right. So... So I have to throw the shuttle and do the this and do the that and throw the shuttle again. And I did it a few times and I have made a wholly knotted mess. So basically, I just tried to back the car out of the driveway and the carburetor collapsed as far <laughs> as I know. But um, yeah, I've ordered parts for the loom and we'll see how that goes. And that's all I'm saying for that. I really want to learn how to do brioche knitting this year because mm-hmm. it's like the hot thing right yeah, it, it's been the hot thing for the past few few months, but I really want to learn brioche knitting right now. And yes, you're looking at that because I don't know why, but I really want to knit a sweater, and I'm, that's weird for me. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be mint colored. Do it. And you see that Tannis has a new color, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's really pretty. Yes, it is. And yeah, I, I really want, and I'm, I'm just scrolling through Ravelry going, I 
want, I want sweater. I want sweater now. <laughs> well, the nice thing with Ravelry is that you can keep adding things to filter out sweaters till you get to like a small number that you can then sort of look at and be like, um, I think I will do this one. I know, I know. I was doing it recently too. Oh my gosh, it's, uh, it's so pretty. Anyways, okay. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been, that's what I've been doing. <gasps> okay, as for me... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been doing a lot because I've been sick. Um, and nobody should have to knit while on medication or sick because that's how your yeah. shawl turns into fishnet stockings. Yeah. It's not a good idea. Well, I mean, I was, I did work a little bit on Lily Pilly while I was sick, mainly because like after a while, like when I was able to sit up, <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to be something, doing something with my hands instead of just lying there. But at the same time, I was like, I don't have the brain for working on Complex much patterns, of anything. Yeah. So I was working on Lily Pilly because I'm on the stripes, the second stripe section. Right. And I was like, well, if I'm sick and I need something plain to do, I might as well do the stripes because the stripes won't take much brain. And also, like, I need, I want to get these fucking stripes done. I want to get them done so bad. So I might as well put in some hours doing this while I'm sick and on the couch. So I am at about 90 to 92, I can't remember how many I had last time I counted, of the 100 stripes needed that you need for this section. I am also almost out of the gray yarn. <laughs> like to the point, like, and when I say almost out, I mean like an extremely tiny ball. Like I might be able to do one more stripe with it. So I've decided... I will do stripes until I finish the gray yarn, because it's definitely not going to be 100 stripes. Okay. Um, and I give no fucks. I will change all the lace. <laughs> whenever I finish, I will I will do another stripe of the... I'll finish with a stripe of the white, and I will go on to the lace. And I give no fucks if it's not 100 stripes, because one, I want these things to be done. And two, because like I'm not going to order another skein of the gray, even though, like, I got it's um, Shellridge Yarns. That's it. Yeah, the gray is from Shellridge Yarns. And their skeins, they put up in, like, 50 gram skeins of their fingering. So, like, it wouldn't be much to get another one. Um, but, like I said, I am, like, 500% done with these stripes. I don't want to do them anymore. <laughs> so I'm not going to buy another skein just so I can do, like, eight more stripes. And I don't want to, that I don't want to do. Um, and like to, I am far enough that like, if I stop the stripes at like 94 stripes instead of a hundred, you're not going to be able to tell. No. From just looking at it. The proportion will look fine. So screw it. Because I've been so sick of the stripes since I have been feeling better, I have started working on the Mystic Star Shawl again, which was my... Project for the the CanCon knit along, which finished on July first last year. Um, so, and I hadn't really worked on it since then. So, I've been working on it a little bit lately. I wound the last skein of yarn last night. I am about halfway through the last chart. From looking at the skein that I have, it definitely looks like a different dye lot. Oh dear! I started knitting with it today. I knit to the end of the previous skein last night. And then when I was winding the other one tonight, it definitely looks like a different dye lot. I started knitting with the one that I have today. I'm going to see how okay. I feel about it. Okay. 
part of me is like, oh, I don't really want to have that harsh transition from one skein to another. But there is also a part of me that's like, I want to get this done. (laughs) I don't want to rip back (laughs) so that I can, you know, space them. I don't want to have to redo that because I just want to get this done. Especially because there is like 300 something stitches at this point. It takes a while to finish a row, especially a pattern row. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I want to do other stuff. I want, I want to start other stuff. But so I've been working on that a fair bit and it's, you know, it's getting progress. I haven't really worked. I have worked very little on my diagonella socks just because most of the time, like since I've been sick, and when I've been, I've kept those in my bag for going to and from work and stuff. And just generally when I've been going home from work, well, one, like half the time I've, especially like the week after I was, after mom and I were both sick, um, mom was just giving me a ride to and home from work because like in the morning, like just getting ready to go to work, I was exhausted. <laughs> there was a couple times I like, I remember one day I got out of the shower and I put on my clothes and just doing that, like putting, lifting my arms and pulling my shirt over my head, my arms just felt exhausted and I had to sit down for a minute after getting my clothes on because I was just tired. So I haven't been taking the bus as much. And then also like when I have been on the bus, it's just been like, especially at the end of the day, I'm just like sitting there and zoning out and not knitting because I'm just tired. <laughs> And then I'll probably work on those a bit more soon, especially if tomorrow I really want to go to Hamilton or Burlington. Um, partly because there is some stuff I need to do. I need to renew my library card there. But I also really, really want to get out of the house. Someone has cabin and fever. And not the same three places in my town. I need a change of scenery. And then also... Uh, I said I have been looking at uh, stuff for Rhinebeck sweaters, and I did see... I do have a number of, of sweater weights, but I did see some yarn. You, you said the word but. <laughs> I did see some yarn from um, an Ontario farm called Topsy Farms, uh, T-O-P-S-Y farms.com. Um, they have an online store, they have their own sheep and they, they have them sheared and then have the, the wool dyed and spun into yarn, uh, mostly into like a worsted weight yarn. And there was one I saw, it actually looks better on my phone and everything else than on my laptop. They're purple heather, like the, the pink in it, little pink heathery, Mm -hmm. it's like stand out even more. Um, but even this is pretty if it ends up being this color. I kind of saw the purple heather and I was like, oh God, this calls to me and it is begging to be made into a sweater. What kind of sweater? Um, a Rhinebeck sweater. Probably a cabled sweater. I do actually have a couple skeins of their yarn that I picked up from um, Yarns Untangled in Kensington Market. So I might knit something smaller. I might knit myself some mittens or something from one from their their yarn that I have now so that I can wash it and see what it feels like and everything else. But, and I mean, it's, it's like 200 something yard, like 200 yards, 220 yards for like eight bucks. That's pretty good. In, which is pretty good. And it's from a small farm. Yeah. So it's, you know, going straight to the farm. And speaking of some of that stuff, <laughs> actually, um, I have started a new stash down thread in the Knit One Geek 2 Ravelry forum. Um, so stash down 2017, the stash awakens. 
Um, and as I've said, I, I sort of copy and pasted the same sort of intro that I've had the last couple years to make it clear that, like, you know, this is not the, the philosophy of the stash down thread that we have. Um, it isn't, you know, it's not for making people feel bad about their stashes or their lack thereof. Um, it's for those who, you know, uh, we're reading from it. Uh, it's for those who think maybe they're neglecting some of their gorgeous stains skeins in their collection by not making things with them, or that are somewhat concerned about the amount of space their yarn is taking up in their residence or on their credit card statements. You know, if you have a huge stash and do not have a problem with that, good for you. Um, you don't have to have a problem with that. If you have no stash and don't really understand the need to stash, that's no problem. Good for you. You know, if you think of it as a collection with its own worth, intrinsic worth, just in its print, in its beauty, and its prettiness <laughs> and its potential, that is fine. You know, if you want to sort of try and set some goals for yourself for this year, it doesn't even really necessarily have to be like de-stashing goals. It can also just be like, hey, this is what I want to focus on for like yarn that I want to buy this year or what I want to make this year, that sort of thing. You can come and, you know, let people know about your goals. You can update it over the year. You can post you know, things that you have made with your stash or like yarn you have added to your stash. So I posted my goals for this year, some of which are the same goals as I had last year that I, I didn't really do. Um, so like overall, I want to be mindful and selective about yarn that I add to the stash. Similar as last year. And I think, and at this point, I think I've said before, like to when I'm going to Netter's Frolic and stuff like that, at this point, like with the with the yarn that not just the amount of stash that I have, it's not just an oh god, I have so much yarn already, I really can't buy any more yarn. It's more like I have a lot of really nice yarn in my stash. So when I go to the nurse frolic and stuff, there isn't always that same need, that feel of need to buy mm -hmm. yarn. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm pretty good. You know, I'll see a couple things that'll be like, that's really pretty, but you know, I don't think I really need it. You know, or there, you know, and then I'll see something where it's like, oh, that's super pretty, and I do need it, and it's like, okay. But I mean, last year when we went to Rhinebeck, I actually didn't buy anything until like fairly late on the Saturday. I didn't buy anything at the the Indian Tangled show, which kind of surprised me. I was sort of looking at myself, kind of asking myself, Karen, are you okay? Because <laughs> um, I was just wandering around. I'm like, there's some really gorgeous stuff here, but I don't really feel that need to buy anything. Um, and I didn't buy a huge amount at Rhinebeck for me. Um, Though that also might have been because of the Canadian exchange. There's that too. Oh, God. But yeah, so just, you know, being mindful about what I want to add to the stash, especially for those times that I go to Toronto and go to yarn stores, which is basically like one of the other things I have on my list, go to places other than yarn stores while in Toronto, because the best way to resist is not to expose myself to, to temptation. <laughs> and when I do, like, be aware of the impulse buys. I want to lean, I'm thinking this year, not, this is not an exclusive thing. I'm not going to be doing this exclusively, but you know, maybe leaning towards, again, buying yarn from smaller farms or from lo more local sources, you know, closer to the sheep, the better. Um, so like stuff like the Topsy Farms where it's built yeah, from the farm. Yeah. Or like even, I mean, I was looking at stuff, I saw some gorgeous stuff, which again would be lovely for a sweater. Um, and I think it's from Harrisville um, Woolens or Harrisville Yarns, which is actually an American company. Harrisville Designs, that's it. I mean, I saw Camilla Valley Farm has cones of their yarn, which you can use for knitting or weaving. And it's, some of it is really gorgeous. 
And like they're an American company, but it's also, I mean, they're the mill that it's their own yarn. So again, still close to the sheep. Um, again, it leaned more towards Canadian suppliers, but you know, if it's close, if it's from a small farm or whatever that I see at Rhinebeck or whatever, then it's, you know, on the list. <laughs> this one, same as last year, knit one, maybe two sweaters, though with the caveat this time, one of them at least should be from actual sweater stash this time. Because <laughs> last year I was like, oh, I should knit, I have so much sweater stash, I should knit maybe one or two sweaters. And then the sweater I, I knit, I, I had to buy yarn for. Um, so this time from actual sweater stash. Again, do the Rhinebeck budget thing that I've done the last couple of years because that works really well, especially because, I mean, I make up, I do it in a, in a Google spreadsheet. And I have, I basically have one column for the, for my budget in US dollars. And then what that, and then I, I multiply that by whatever the exchange rate is plus a little bit um, for, so that I can see that, immediately see that right next to it in Canadian dollars. Right. Like how much that would cost. And then when we actually book something, I erase the estimate and I put in the actual cost and I put a little note to say that that is the actual cost so that I can keep track of like, you know, this thing, you know, this is how much I want to spend on, this is how much I have allotted to this, this is how much, and then when I actually do it, as it gets closer, every more and more stuff is like the actual cost of it so that some stuff like the, that I don't do until just before, like getting the money for spending money, I can adjust based on where money has gone elsewhere. Um, and again, last year for Rhinebeck, I did the thing where I actually took money from every paycheck, actually took out cash yeah. from the bank and shoved it in a box. So I'm thinking I need to do that for the Knitter's Frolic and the Knitter's Fair in addition, um, as well as I might be doing it for a new computer, because that works well too. Uh, dye the rest of the sweater stash that needs dyeing. That was one of the things I planned to do last year. I did dye one batch thing. of sweater <laughs> yarn that I wanted to over-dye, um, but I didn't do that with a couple of the other ones. I want to make something with at least one set of the Link Farm yarn that I have, because it's, you know, nice local yarn, and I want to use it, and it's really lovely stuff. I actually want to start the freaking crocus shawl that I have been intending to do for years, um, and I need to start it pronto, which is partly why I want to finish this other stuff. Because, because crocuses a- will be coming up in, you know, within the next, what, two months? Yeah, like two months from now. Yeah. Um, which is why I have not yet done it, because every year I'm like, I kind of want to have it for when, or finish it around when the the crocuses come up. Because I am I love crocuses, and it's always like, yay, spring! Um, and then every year I see the crocuses come up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's shawl. <laughs> I really should have started that. Um, so I really need to do that. And that, of course, means finishing the other two big projects I have. Um, I should also go through my knitting bin and finish at least a couple of the, the works in progress, progress that I have in there. Again, this year, one of the things I had on my list last year, which I didn't do, was use one, if not two, of my skeins of Volmiza. Instead, last year, I, I, I bought more. You sound a little um, bit like you need to stand up in front of a group and say, Hi, everybody. My name is Karen. Well, th- that's kind of what I'm doing right here. Okay. This is my confession time. Also, another thing from last year, attempt to catalog the stash for realsies this time. For realsies. Um, and I want to do more spinning. I need to finish spinning the, the, the Biffle slash Shetland from Hopeful Shetlands. And I really want to spin the braids that I got from Gainer Homestead at the, not last year's, but the year before's uh, Knitter's Fair. Okay. And also, do more weaving. I have an idea for a, like, uh, houndstooth scarf using two yarns, including one that I had gotten. It was a D-stash from Glenna. 
And I was like, oh, yes, give me, please, thank you, um, without really having a plan or an idea of how I would use it. It's a variegated, it's an indigo dragonfly, and it's variegated sort of heavy lace weight. So I've sort of always been like, this is, I like the, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to turn down indigo dragonfly lace weight, but I also haven't had no idea what I wanted to do with it until I saw on Pinterest an idea for a weaving project. I'm like, obviously, this skein has been sitting in my stash waiting for this weaving project. For this reason. Okay. So there we go. Um, and then I also want to do another project that uses um, a different project that, that uses pickup sticks for to do like different sort of patterning. Okay. Because like on a, on a rigid heddle loom, you can basically do like plain weave. And if you want to do other patterns to alter like the, the threads that are coming up. So instead of every other thread being raised if you want every fourth one being raised so that you can make patterns okay you need to either use two heddles or use what's called a pickup stick where you basically thread the stick through in the pattern that you want and then you pull this turn the stick upwards to make the shed um so i kind of want to try doing that this year so those are my goals (laughs) we will see how i do but that's me because like i said i've been sick so and i i there is one other thing that we'll mention in Cravings, Covets, and Crushes that I've been really tempted to do. But, and I do kind of have yarn for it. I'm not sure I want to make it in that yarn. But I also have not been able to get to yarn stores for the last month. That's true. And <laughs> to maybe pick out different colors. So, so we'll see. But we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. So, moving into Geek Squee. So, one of the things that has happened in recently in politics which is which is really sweet it is really cute and kind of makes me love this guy there's a california uh san jose california city council member lan diep he was sworn in to city council recently and instead of putting his hand on a bible or another religious text he held a captain america shield while he was being Sworn in. It's awesome. So literally he has his right hand raised and he is holding Captain America's shield with his left hand, which is kind of awesome. (laughs) I kind of love it. And I mean, he said in an interview with the NBC Bay Area affiliate, he he says it's a symbol of what's positive in this political landscape. And he says that, you know, that Captain America embodies the, the American ideals and that, you know, it says it stands for, you know, the kind of things he wants to work towards, which is equal justice, fair play, and democracy. It's kind of awesome. I kind of love that the nerd... I kind of love that. I kind of love the nerd boys that are getting into, uh, getting into politics. And any nerd girls that are getting into yeet, politics. Yeet. Yeah, he's done uh, legal work with the Mississippi Center for Justice, as well as Radio Free Asia and the Legal Aid Society in San Jose. And I think he is... He is a Republican. Yeah. And he was at the San Jose Women's March. Good for him. Yeah. So I kind of love that he, that that was his choice. Like, and and that that was his choice of, you know, item to pledge to do his job on, like, you know, like people would have a Bible or another holy text. This is what he connects with that he is placing his oath on. And I kind of love that because, you know, Captain America and Steve Rogers are icons for that. Yes, an icon for like you know the best American ideals. Yes, and I love that. 
<laughs> I love that so much. And the sons of immigrants. Yeah. So I find that kind of hilarious and adorable. Okay, from here we get into a lot of the stuff that we have been watching over uh, the Christmas break in January. Yeah. So we have both seen Rogue One. Yes. Um, this episode might be a little bit too long to go into spoilery and non-spoilery stuff. Yeah, and it has been a while since we And it has it. been a while. Um, and Let's just do blanket. Like, we probably won't go in-depth into, no. like, stuff that mentions spoilers. But I will say we'll have spoilers for Rogue One in here because we're just going to discuss stuff. So, again, I'll put the timestamp in when you can come back if you haven't been able to see the movie yet. I I liked it. Yes. And I'm not really, everybody knows I'm not really a Star Wars-y kind of girl, but yeah. I did like it. Damn movie made me cry over a damn droid. Yes. Who had a Shakespearean frickin' death scene. Yeah, I really, I did really enjoy it. It is also sad as fuck. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Do but not like, do not go and see that movie if you have problems with um, depression or... Um, Losing love if you've recently lost loved ones or something like that. That that is that is not the time. Yeah, for seeing this movie. Well, and I mean, and going into it, I knew that it was going to be fairly dark and kind of sad. Yes, and that characters were gonna die because I mean, because of the setup of the story. I mean, this is how it's the story of how they get the the plans for the Death Star that tell them about its fatal flaw. To Leia, yeah, like how they get it, yeah. How the how the the, the team that the the one little group of rebels get those plans, and eventually they get to to Leia. So that when we get to A New Hope, that's how it makes sense. Yeah, how yeah, it makes sense. Make sense. That they have the it. other thing that really hurt was that this when we went to see it, that was also the week that Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, I saw it before. That Carrie hurt died, so, so yeah. bad. Yeah. Especially because it's quite amazing. They, they did a really good job of her. Yeah. You see her, like, as young Leia. And, like I said, I saw it beforehand. Um, though after she died, I was watching... Um, I have been watching uh, Force Awakens in little bits. Like, you know, if I've, if I've got, like, a half... If I'm having lunch at home, I'll just be like, and I just want something on... I've just been a few times I've just been like, oh, I'll just put on Force Awakens. I'll just go to Netflix and put on Force Awakens. Okay. And so I've been watching it in little bits. And then a few weeks ago, I was like, again, I was having lunch. And I'm like, okay, I'll put on Force Awakens. And I'm, you know, eating my lunch. And and what I'd forgotten <laughs> was that Carrie Fisher was in Force Awakens. And like, I started watching it. And it was just before we see, just before she actually comes in to the movie for the first time and as soon as I saw her I started crying <laughs> I was like damn it I forgot oh god but yeah Rogue One was really good I, I saw some people there were some people um, on the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast the hosts a couple there was one or two who was sort of like you know Star Wars is usually more funny and like lighter and stuff like that and they were kind of complaining about the dark tone and I'm like dude if, if I who have only seen a couple of the original Star Wars movies went into this movie knowing it was going to be a darker tone because of the subject matter like y'all should have expected the, star, the darker tone it's like with the subject it can't all be droids and Chewbacca like being comic yeah. relief and it can't. Like, like with 
with the plot of this movie. Like, it's like, no, it's going to be a darker movie. And guess what? People are gonna die. And it's like the end. Oh, God, I was crying. But it was still really good. I mean, there's a couple characters that are maybe a little lightly drawn. You know, we don't get super deep on any of the characters. But then again, it's not like we're ever going to see them again. But I, um, I generally thought it was really good. Yeah, I did too. I really liked I it. I liked it, yeah. You also saw Hidden Figures. Yes. Oh, my God. You guys, this movie. I love this movie. And I am so glad it's getting Oscar nominations. Um, I was really looking forward to this movie. This is one, this is, of course, is the movie about the uh, African-American women at NASA who worked there, like, during the 60s and were instrumental in the um, the Apollo program. Uh, well, really, actually, they were instrumental in the original, like, Mercury 7 and Gemini programs. But their work, of course, later led to men landing on the moon. And they were all, like, mathematicians. So we have women of color doing work in a STEM field, like doing the actual STEM mathematic works in a science field in the 1960s. And I really liked how this movie handled the treatment of, like, how this movie treated the the black female characters. Um, Because basically it starts off, they're all, they're all computers. That was actually their title. (laughs) They were, the computer didn't used to be a box Mm. with things in it. A computer was a person. It was a person who did the the mathematical calculations for stuff. Um, And a lot of times it used to be, and it used to be women. um, Because it was seen as menial, almost like secretarial sort of work. Except when you're talking about people doing the calculations for NASA, they have to have like advanced mathematics degrees. And one of the things, of course, at this time, um, they are working in Virginia during the 1960s. So obviously there is lots of discrimination. Um, they show them, you know, one of the really main, the key things we see is when uh, one of the women ends up working very closely with the program that is trying to send uh, John Glenn and other astronauts into orbit around the Earth. She's taken out of the the room where the, the black computers work and taken in, and working in another building, the main building. But in the main building, there is no washroom designated for African-American workers. So every day she has to run like half a mile to the building where she used to work to use the bathroom. And you see there's lots of scenes of her like she just grabs all the, the, the documents she's supposed to look through and the calculations she's supposed to check. And she goes running to the bathroom and in the bathroom she's doing calculations and stuff and then she picks all that stuff up and runs back and i love the way that it shows that the women are able to achieve things because of their hard work and their talent and their abilities and their determination um sometimes in movies like this it can be problematic because then the white person comes in and is like, oh, I suddenly realized that racism is, a, racism is a problem and I fix things. And that's not really the case in this one. There is a couple things that her bot, that especially one woman, a couple things that mostly that white men in the movie end up doing that, that does help them. But 
I sort of saw that at least as like a case where the white people actually listened to the women of colors statements about their experience and what their lives were like and actually believed them, which is something we need to do and to take their concerns, their concerns seriously, even now. And so they were doing the white characters in that case are doing what they can do because of their privilege to help, but definitely not, but definitely most of what the women are able to achieve is because of their own work and determination and achievement. Like one of them, this is also when NASA is just getting their first actual like IBM computer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the, one of the the women finds out that basically what this is going to do is it's going to replace them. Um, And so she decides, okay, then I will learn how to program a computer, like how to do computer language. She learns Fortran. Um, In one of the scenes that really kind of hit me hard because they show her, she goes to the library and she's looking through books for it. And the librarian comes up to her. It's like, um, excuse me, you know, your library is downstairs. And she's like, well, the books I need aren't in my library. And I forget what the librarian says, but basically the librarian is like, the librarian is being a racist shithead, uh, basically. And that kind of hits me real hard <laughs> because working in a library and like what all my beliefs about like freedom of information and the right for everybody to have equal access to information, that just really made me mad. <laughs> So, spoiler alert, she ends up stealing the book from the library. And I'm like, girl, I ain't even mad. (laughs) You go. Um, But so, like, yeah. So, and it's really well acted. Um, It shows some of their personal lives as well as their um, professional lives. I really like how the the men, the the men of color in the movie are treated too. Like, their, their husbands and their boyfriends. One of them is not isn't really encouraging of his wife when she wants to like try and get an engineering degree um, because he knows it's going to be difficult. And, um, but at first he, he's not entirely supportive at first, but then, you know, in the end he is supportive of her, you know, and a lot of times like there's a lot of problems with the way that black men are portrayed, portrayed in the media, but these guys in are all like stand up, you know, even if not initially they are in the end, they're supportive of the women in their lives, you know, and they're, you know, great, you know, role models. They're, you know, one of them is working with civil rights. Another one, you know, he's you know, ex-military and he's got a good job and he's like providing for. So it's a good feel good movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I really like the portrayal of the characters in it and you know, the message it sends. And basically I got out of the movie and I'm like, I want to grab every child, especially every child of color and make them watch this movie. <laughs> Because it is super inspiring and I really want everyone to see it. <laughs> and I saw something that one of the, um, I think it was one of the actresses in the movie. She actually like bought out a theater. I saw that too. In LA. So kids from like low income schools could like go see the movie. Which is amazing and so important. So yes, go see Hidden Figures. And from what I've been hearing, it has been doing Really, really well. well. Yes. Like even like two weeks after the movie came out, someone I know in Boston went to go see it and she was like, well, I got to the theater like half an hour, 45 minutes before the movie started. I guess I didn't get there early enough because it was sold out. Wow. So it's been doing really well. Good. I am so happy to see it. Okay. So other things we've seen. Sherlock. Sherlock happened. came back. <laughs> yes, that oh, happened. Everyone. What did you think of Sherlock. That was one mindfuck after another, especially the last episode. 
Yeah. Um, again, we'll go into like, general spoiler territory here. So, um, okay. The, the, yeah, the first episode was the Mary dying problem. Yes, I was not happy about that. And the second episode was the Sherlock potentially trying to kill himself problem. Mm-hmm. Sherlock don't do anything half-assed. Which was really well acted and stuff, but there are certain aspects of that one where I'm like, wow, John and Sherlock's relationship appears really toxic in this this episode. Well, let's face it, they both have issues. Yeah, they have issues, but there's there's times when you have issues and there's times when it's like, I am not convinced this relationship is a good thing for either of you. Like, And then there is that revelation that um, not only does Sherlock have a sister, but she is full-blown psychopath. Yeah. She is full-blown genius psychopath. Yeah. Mom and I, when we were watching that episode, I mean, it was, I'm sure maybe some of it was because we were both sick. Um, and also because we didn't know that that night, you know, the other two weeks they had been showing it, our local art, well, the PBS station that we get had been showing it at nine o'clock. Um, and so we didn't bother checking the schedule. So we didn't know that it actually started at seven o'clock that night because they were starting Mas- Masterpiece Theater, um, a Masterpiece Theater series. So like when we tuned in, it's like, oh, we have to wait till 10 for it to actually start. So we ended up what do, so it was a little later, but mom and I were really not... Not having it with that episode. It was actually like, we were both kind of like, can this just be over? Because it was dark. It was really, it went to a really, really dark place that, ooh. It it wasn't just that it was dark. It was the the Moffat, like, crazy stuff happening, dialing it up to 11, like crazy stuff. You never know exactly what's going, you never know what's going on. You never know. You know what's happening and then it's like one big like look how I'm toying with your emotions after another and it just got really tiring. Well it was one big huge adrenaline rush after the other. Yeah but like. And that gets exhausting. Yeah and I am not impressed by that from Moffat anymore after watching like Doctor Who and stuff like like I think I've described it before that I think Moffat he likes to send viewers on this roller coaster of these crazy like ups and downs and twists and turns and you know you're being jerked around in this roller coaster up and down and all around and when you finish the roller coaster you realize that like there are the, the the scenery around the roller coaster the constructed scenery like you think of some of the rides at Disney World how they have scenery that you go through on the roller uh-huh. coasters like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad but some of that scenery really didn't look very good some of it was really crappily made and it didn't really hold together and so afterwards, like, but wait a minute. <laughs> and so I am, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little, I am a little tired of Moffat's, like, turn it up to 11 sort of thing. And it's like, if they do make more of these, can we just do some cases and not have it be crazy pants all the time? Well, I doubt that they could keep doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, I, I don't have confidence in Moffat that he wouldn't try. And it's like... We just not. Because the episode did end very ambiguously as to whether or not they would even continue. Like, yeah. it's not for sure yes, it's not for sure no. Yeah. 
Because let's face it, both of the actors are in high demand right now. Yeah. With, with their other projects. It gives them an out to... And someone on another podcast said, like... I think it was on the Baker Street Babes podcast. Says, you know, just sort of give them an out to where they... They could just do, like, a Christmas episode. Yeah. Every year, every other year. Or, you know, they could do that for a couple... You have just, like, one Christmas episode you know, for a couple of years, and then four years from now, they could, you know, do another series of three or whatever. You know, it, it does, sort of, but it also, you know, or they could never make any more or not make any more for another 10 years or something like that. Um, it does, they did sort of wrap it up to the point where I think from a, there was an interview with Moffat where he said that basically this whole thing, like these whole four seasons now ends up with them being the Sherlock and Watson in Baker Street, you know, doing cases and sort of stuff that sort of sets them up for that. Um, as though sort of this whole bit has been like a, like a prequel sort of thing. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I can deal with that part. I'm just... See, I liked the whole immersion and being yanked around and whatever like that. I, I liked that. And it was different that Sherlock was not in control, and neither was Mycroft. None of them were in control. Now, can I do that every single episode? No, I can't. I can do that one episode out of every six, maybe. Well, and the thing they've done that sort of thing with Sherlock not being in control and stuff like that before, like a few times, especially with Moriarty. Yeah, Moriarty was the one before. This one is just like, again, turned up to 11. So it's just sort of, I, like I just said, I just found it kind of tiring. Okay. Not in the, not in the like, oh God, all these twists and turns are exhausting me, but like, oh, Moffat, are you fucking doing this again? Seriously? And like, I'm kind of annoyed at him with the treatment of some of the female characters. Like, not just, and not just Mary. Killing her off, I was not happy. And yes, I know, Mary dies in the books, but they don't have kids in the books. They don't do... There's other stuff which isn't in the books and yet is in the show. So I don't think that this... But it happens that way in the books is really an excuse with this TV show. Or is really a, a big, you know, concern. They, they have ignored the books for a number of other things. But like with Molly in that last episode... <sighs> Like, basically just using her as a way to get to Sherlock. And then, like, seeing sure getting to see Sherlock's emotional reaction afterwards and him dealing with it. And not seeing that from Molly. It's the, like, the ploy of using her as a ghost in John's head. That was... That took me for mm-hmm. a loop a couple of times. Mary, you mean. Sorry, Mary. Yeah, I'm thinking Molly. Uh, Molly. Yeah, that, that, whole, like, that, that, whole... that... Yeah... That hurt. Or basically, like, sorry, her I'm role sorry. is to get to Sherlock, not like, but you're also doing something which is inflicting a lot of emotional trauma yeah. on yeah. her and not addressing that, Moffat. Because I know he doesn't really address that stuff. He likes to introduce this emotional trauma um, and then not show the aftermath. The, um, I can't remember her name. Is it Cough, Amy from Doctor Who? Is that her name, Louise? Uh, the actress who plays... Um, yeah, Louise Brealey. Yeah, she said in a Twitter shortly after the episode was released that no, Molly would not have been okay after that. Yeah. She would She would not have been able to just let that go. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have mixed, very mixed feelings about this last season. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. So, this is something you have been doing. I have started watching a show called The Magicians. It's just about to open its second season. 
So I'm trying to catch up on the first season, and it was described to me as Harry Potter and Supernatural had a, had a magical baby, is how it was described to me. <laughs> is there some comic relief in it? Yes. Um, but it is not old world European where Harry Potter is. It is mm-hmm. basically upstate New York magic school, current day. Ooh. So do they, you know, do they have access to the internet and to the, and to cell phones? And they go, yes, they do. Do they occasionally make trips into the city to go to parties and go to bars and do stuff like, yes, they do. Do they learn how to bend the light and move things with their mind? Yes, they do. Do they have um, sororities and fraternities? And basically, they get divided into houses as per their innate talent. You have the telekinesis kids. You have the psychic kids. You have the healer kids. And they get divided into their houses that way. And literally houses. Like, you go and you stay in the chapter house. Um, So basically, like, your D&D class. Yeah, your (laughs) D&D class. That's a very good way of putting it. But they have, you know, they have the hazing. And they have... um, you know, for the first few months, this is this will be your roommate. Oh, hi. Um, awkward. Um, yeah. <laughs> because there are a bunch of people who can hear your thoughts. And if you're not good about guarding your thoughts, they get really pissed at you a lot. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I didn't need to think about that. There is, um, there is an overall story arc of a bad guy impending. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only, so far I've only seen um, maybe about seven episodes. There's only been a couple of touches mm-hmm. of that story arc. There is an immediate story arc of the hedge witches, which are those who weren't good enough to get into the school, but no magic anyways. And we mm-hmm. do it on the down low and the bad side. <laughs> We're on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak. Um, and then, of course, there's also the interplay in between the characters. And one of my favorite characters is Elliot. And he is... The most he- hilarious, what you, what I guess an Eaton boy would be if, you know, he indulged in too much LSD <laughs> and hair, and hair coifing um, products, I think. I might have to check this out. It, it is, it is, honest to God, really amusing. And none of it has gotten so dark as of yet. Like, at the end of a really bad day, yes, I can watch this and... Being the whole, um, you know, the show, mm-hmm. there is a resolution usually at the end of every episode that I'm able to go to sleep with. Yeah. It's like, you don't really want to go to sleep after that last Sherlock episode. Yeah. Oh, yes. And you found this interview. Okay. With Matt Mercer. It's no secret <laughs> that Karen and I have, like, seriously turned into Critical Role fangirls. Critters! Yes. So that is no <laughs> secret. We, and yes. we are also fans of Matthew Mercer. Ask the person who stayed up till like I don't know almost two a.m. on Thursday. Yes, I can't do the, that because of the the episode. I can't do that because <laughs> it's like I can't not watch it because I won't be able to sleep, and I can't not watch the whole thing because I won't be able to sleep. But oh god. Okay, so um, we've I've been doing a lot of catching up along the way. Um, you know, since Karen introduced this to me in the middle of September, mm-hmm. it took me exactly one hundred days to catch up all to what was then 77 episodes. (laughs) Now that I don't have this stash built up for me to watch and I have to wait for it every week, I'm trying to to wait for it. There's one for the Hamilton fans. I'm trying to find other things that Matthew Mercer may have, you know, worked in. And I came across an interview with him. Uh, There are these two girls who love the game Overwatch so much. And if you haven't heard of Overwatch by now, 
ask a kid about 12 years old, they'll tell you all about it. <laughs> um, that Matthew Mercer has done a voice for, and it's the cowboy character. If you've watched any of the Periscopes, everybody's asking him to do the line, and he'll eventually say, it's high noon. In a very <laughs> cowboy voice. Yeah. Um, so he's one People of are trying to get him to do it on Critical yeah, Role, I know. too. It's like, so, it is at the time of day when the sun is at its <laughs> highest point in the sky. So... <laughs> These two girls love Overwatch so much, they felt that they had to justify their obsession and have a podcast about it. And they are interviewing each of the character voice actors. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls actually knows Matthew Mercer personally. So this isn't really just fangirling out over Matthew. This is mm -hmm. fangirling out over Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And Matthew was not um, originally involved in... Like, he wasn't insta-approved for, for working on the project either. Mm -hmm. He... Somebody actually had to coax the people to let him in the second draft. Mm -hmm. But what he did say, because they did talk about critical role on the interview. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he did describe that was funny. Everybody knows that Ashley from Critical Role can't always be on the show because she's in the show Blind Spot, which films in New York. Mm -hmm. Critical Role takes place in California. Yeah. Well, Matthew went to visit Ashley on her set. Mm -hmm. And she introduced him to the rest of the cast as, hey, everybody, this is Matthew Mercer. He's my dungeon master. <laughs> Awkward silence ensues <laughs> for a because, couple of minutes as everybody sort of looks at each other. <laughs> because because when you say dungeon master to a bunch of muggles, yes. they get a very different picture. After about two minutes of awkward silence, she said, in Dungeons and Dragons, and everybody's like, "Oh, okay, okay." That, that, that's uh, that, okay. For a second there, I thought I knew way I did, too much about you. For a sec, I didn't know you were into that kind of thing, and it was. <laughs> and I didn't need to know you were into that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So, speaking but, of things, I did not need to have need did not need to have in my head. I I I can have Matthew Mercer doing that in my head. Never mind. No, Ooh. Margaret has him first. Margaret has him first. Margaret. Well, no, Margaret gets him first. <laughs> <laughs> and not not, not this Margaret, the other Margaret, as in my sister hive mind Margaret. <laughs> that reminds me, there's a thing I should show you okay. before you go. Just because I'm married. <laughs> I'll make that sacrifice. Um, and uh, one of the other things he likes to do is when he himself plays Overwatch, and you do talk to people using the comm mics, because you can say something like, I'm hit, I need healing, somebody get me. Or they're, they're all clustering over here, around mm -hmm. by this corner. And he will start going into McCree mode while playing. And he says, you can see it in all of the other gamers. They're suddenly going, we don't have a McCree. Do they have a McCree? Does the other team have a McCree? There's no McCree on the board. Who's McCree? <laughs> and, and eventually someone's like, God damn it, Matt. <laughs> eventually, it either happens one of two ways. Either they'll figure out a team and go, okay, you know, that that is a pretty cool impersonation of McCree. You know, you're pretty good. Or it goes the complete opposite, and he says he's been told he does a really lousy impersonation of McCree. And those are the ones that he really laughs at. And I'm like, dude, you just, ins I'm like, you just insulted the person who was paid to be the voice actor of that character. <laughs> but he says he, uh, he finds that entertaining. So moving into Cravings, Covets, and Crushes, and keeping with a D&D &D kind of theme, actually... One of the things we have seen, which I am super tempted to do, and it was the thing where I said, I, I think I have yarn for it, but I don't know if I want to do it in those colors. So there's a mystery knit-along, which has started, called the Heroes of Yarnia RPG. Ooh. It is a double-knit 
scarf. A double knit or knit in the round. You can do it either way. And it is by Tanya Richter. It's part of, it's the third anniversary of Epic Knits. So they're having this this event. And basically it's a knitting RPG. Um, the campaign plays out over eight weeks. And you'll be knitting a scarf, which will be different from everyone else's. Wow. Because you, what charts you knit are determined through random numbers, either through rolling dice or through a random number generator. Wow. So basically what happens is you get a welcome letter as well as a few extra pages which help you determine your stats for your character sheet. And depending on your stats, you will have access to certain charts. Um, and then you will roll each, each week, each time you get a clue, there are eight clues, um, you will roll the dice to see what chart you do. Which means that everyone's chart is going to be a little different. And you do get, so for your, and for your character sheet, you do have a class and a race and everything like that. And it looks really fun. And what weight is it done in? I think it's in, it's in fingering. Or at least it's suggested in fingering. It's ve- it sounds very much like the there and back again double knit uh, scarf yeah. that we did. Only your, like you said, yours is different to everybody else's. Yeah, and it's it, really it, and cool. it shows like and each chart from what I understand has part of it like a story with it. So it's like That's really you know cool. what your character I like does, that. and like so you need sixteen hundred yards, eight hundred yards of each color. And I do have 800 yards of two different colors, but I don't know if I want to do it in those colors or if I want to save those yarns. I kind of bought those yarns with, or got those yarns with ideas for something else. Oh, and each, uh, each character also gets a feline companion, which again, you roll dice okay. to determine your companion's, you know, breed or... So it looks super fun and I kind of want to do it. <laughs> because I kind of love this combination of knit along and d d this does look pretty fun. Yeah, so you have like weapon, armor, you Enchanted have to, knitting needle. Yeah. You have stats, that is your that's someone's feline companion. So they have, you know, your feline companion has a personality. Nice. Uh, special skills, breed, and then you have strength and defense and their hit points. And you have like your alignment and it's basically, you know, RPG. And I, I kind of kind of love that concept, and I kind of want to do it. I would just need to, you know, figure out what yarn I want to use, and then also, you know, finish some of the big projects I have before I start doing a freaking double-knit scarf. So when does this start? It has already started. Like, okay. it started at the beginning of January. Um, it finishes near the end of February, but of course, like, you could get the pattern afterward. And still, like, you can't, you know, obviously, there are prizes for people who are involved in the middle on itself. But, like, you know, afterwards, you can still... You know, buy the pattern and download it and do the whole thing yourself. It's still a fun sort of concept for making a scarf. And it's the pattern's eight bucks, which considering like all the extra stuff that comes with, that is cheap. Or well, you know, ten dollars and eighty one cents Canadian. But yeah, I kinda wanna do it. <laughs> because it's just my brand of crazy. Yes, it is. But I have been able to stop myself so far. Um speaking of brands of crazy yeah, I saw that and thought of you. <laughs> so there's the this has been a this has been a buzzword for this this winter. Yeah, this is actually crochet. Oh, is it? So Sorry. I am safe. Yeah, my bad. 
because I don't really do that much crochet. Still. Uh, but any crocheters who listen, um, I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, it's the Huga. I'm sure there's some nuance in the pronunciation there that I'm missing, but that's how it says it's pronounced. Uh, sheep's, uh, and that's S-C-H-E-E-P-J-E-S, um, as in the yarn manufacturer. Uh, crochet along 2017. Um, Huga is a, or Huga is a Danish word, which means sort of a cozy feeling. It's the feeling of being, you know, warm in a welcoming, envi- welcoming environment, enjoying nice things, so like snuggling on the sofa in front yep. of a fire, you know, while having a cup of tea with a cat curled up next to you, that sort of thing. That yep. sort of warm, cozy, especially in winter. Yes. Um, that feeling of being inside in front of a fire, you know, all warm and cozy. And so uh, it's by, uh, the designer is Kirsten Ballering, and it's a stole or a shawl that is it's a rectangular shape and it's done in sport weight yarn and it's sort of similar the the motifs are they're fairly somewhat similar to fair isle except the center back is this really gorgeous like floral motif and vine motif which is just amazing and then on either side of it it looks like there are like little stripes of or little sections of things which remind me of like fair isle yeah banded yeah patterns and it's definitely color work there's some amazing color work combinations in the just in the in the suggested photos for it pretty and it looks like you use a lot of different colors yes you do yeah cuz looking at the looking at the photo i mean sheeps has uh sets of yarn of their yarn that you use for it um so like and different uh sort of color families so there's there's rainbow the rainbow family which is like a dark gray with a rainbow of colors to go with it and there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten different oh it says it right there um <laughs> ten different skeins of color like different colors and then one background Base. color yeah so they have the rainbow one, they have the jewel tones one, a pastel one, and then one called Danish Mermaid. And it looks pretty amazing. Like, look at that. That's gorgeous. Like, that is right out of Frozen. Yeah. Right there. It, has, the it, it definitely has, like, a, a Scandinavian yeah. folk art sort of culture to it. Sort of feel to it, um, yeah. And there's 210 people that have finished it, so you can see the finished projects. You go, people. Or the projects in progress. It does look amazing. I'm kind of glad that it's crochet. <laughs> like I said, I thought of you. Because I can do a little bit of crochet, but crochet is not generally my bag. And it's probably a good thing, because now I'm going to look at it and be like, oh, that's really pretty. Close tab. <laughs> <laughs> do not add to Q. Do not be like, oh, God, I want to do this now. Yeah, but if you are a crocheter and you like crazy projects, go ahead. One of the things that we have seen online that I really do want to knit, though, is... Bristol Ivy has come out with a new mitten pattern, which is very topical. Piece de resistance. Yes. Yeah, and that's piece as in P-E-A-C-E de... Well, resistance is the way you pronounce it in a French way, but it's resistance. Resistance. Yeah. And it basically has a fist on one hand. It has a... Or on the front of the mitten, or on one side of the mitten, it has a fist upraised and you know, solidarity and power. And the other side says resistance is not futile. And the T in resistance is the female 
symbol. And basically all proceeds from the pattern will be donated monthly to a rotating list of charities that work to make lives better for all people. Um, includes Black Lives Matter, Standing Rock Legal Defense Fund, Days for Girls, Environmental Defense Fund, Trans Youth Equality Foundation, and Gender Health, and Flint Kids. And I think she said on the, the Twitter post where I saw this, I think she said something like, I think it was like 500 or almost $5,000. Yes. They've raised already. Yes. Which, woot! Awesome. So I'm searching through my stash for those. Yeah. Those will be And next. there's a picture of her at the Women's March, or someone at the Women's March wearing it and holding a sign that says, Be the Hermione Granger you wish to see in the world. So yeah, I thought that was particularly... A very good... Topical? Um, worthwhile. A worthwhile project. Now, something that is long overdue. So, we had a contest to we had, choose yarn. We had two. Yes, we had two contests. So, I am going to get to the discussion board and get to the threads... Um, so, whoops, I'll go to contest one first, because the first contest was we asked you to tell us what new thing you learned in 2016, and it's really cool reading all the responses and seeing, like, what different things people learned during that time. So, this contest was for, uh, the chance to win your choice of one of two skeins of the Indigo Dragonfly Sherlock-inspired yarn and the Tardish TARDIS project bag. I will pull up the random number generator. 68, I believe it was. 68 minus 1. Or because I was the first person to post. Yeah, so minimum 2. Okay. Maximum 68. Yeah, so basically what we're doing is we are using the post, the, the post count numbers. And so we will run that through the random number generator. And... Ten. Okay. Number ten. Who's number ten? So post number ten was to go back to the first page. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten was Oh look at that! Cheryl. Cheryl <laughs> Nice witch. Who is local to us. Yes. So we'll be able to deliver that pretty <laughs> so easily. So we'll be able to deliver that by hand. Yes. Oh that that saves on postage though. Yes. Okay, so Cheryl, you have won the choice of the Sherlock Yarns. And the TARDIS bag. And I might toss a couple of little nice little things in there. And, okay. So, second one. Discussion board. Back to, okay. Contest number two. That one is for... That is for the self-striping Ravenclaw yarn. That Stitch Please gave us to give away. Yes. So thank you very much, Michelle, for that. Um, And there will also be a project bag in there that I will be making. Um, because I have fabric I think people will enjoy. It is very geeky. <laughs> so, yeah. So we have, again, we have 68. Random generator. Ready? Drum roll, please. Number six. This generator likes the, uh, the, likes lo- the lower numbers. Likes the lower numbers. Okay. So entry number six was is long a Ravelry user Long Cool. In Maryland. Yeah. Jessica. Jessica. Congratulations. So Jessica, we will be sending I will be sending you a message to get your address so I can ship that out to you. Yay. And you know what uh, starts on February first? What? Inco Rimo. Yes. February is Inco Rimo, which is International Correspondence Writing Month. Yes. So basically it's a chance to 
you know, write actual letters to people and to find pen pals and things like that. And I think I'm actually, I've actually been thinking about, and I'm probably going to put something up in the thread in the Ravelry group to see if anybody wants to find pen pals amongst other Nitwin geek tours. Because I mean, if you're a listener, you know, you will probably have some stuff in common with other listeners. And, but it's also a place where you can like find people who, you know, maybe like some of the stuff you do, but maybe not all the stuff you do. So you have still have stuff like not just the stuff you like to talk or that you have in common to talk about, but you still have some stuff in common and you can find people hopefully from all over the world. We'll see who signs up. Um, But what I'll do is there's a, I'll probably put up like either a little questionnaire or just, you know, you can write up like what you want to say as like, Hey, this is me. You know, these are the things that I'm interested in. This is what my life is. You know, this is what my, my really regular life is like. Um, I'll probably base it on, um, there's a, a website called the Fountain Pen Network that I've been a member of for quite a long time. And they have a pen pal thread. So I'll, I'll look at that one for guidance. And then I'll put up a thing. And then what you can do is you can look through. And if there's someone who, you know, looks like something you might want to start corresponding with or something, then you guys can message each other privately right. to get addresses. I'm also on sendsomething.net. And I have pen pals through there. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so that one, sendsomething.net, is also an option. I don't know how they run it. (laughs) And there is a pen pals um, group on Ravelry, too. I'll link to it um, in case you want to, you know, check that out, too. But I figured, you know, in our group, like I said, you know, if you're a listener, you probably have, you know, some stuff in common with other other people on the group. And so it's a nice way to sort of find pen pals to start off with. All right, people. Please be good to each other out there. Yeah. Be good to each other. Give each other hugs and love. And as I said on the the Knit One Geek 2 Twitter account on the day of the Women's March, stay safe and raise hell. Yes. (laughs) All right. We love you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes on iTunes or at our blog, where you can also see our show notes and comment. That's at knitonegeek2.emptypockets.org. K-N-I-T-1. G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also find us on Twitter and Periscope at KnitOneGeek2. You can contact us at KnitOneGeek2 at gmail.com and search for a group on Ravelry using KnitOneGeek2. There you'll find other knitters who enjoy geeky stuff that you can squeal along with and also where you can find updates on new episodes. And remember, in space, no one can hear you squee.